Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got a special guest today, Craig Sandman. He's uh, been in information security for some time, and uh, very, very good to have you. Thank you for joining us, Craig. I'd like to hear a little bit about your uh, your past and your affiliation with information security and anything else you'd like to talk, talk about. That's great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so just to introduce myself, uh, Craig Sandman, I'm the president and co-founder of a company called Symbol Security. Uh, we are security awareness training providers, uh, typically distributing through third-party partners, uh, virtual CISOs like yourself and managed security service providers, really focused on our deliverable through them. Um, the company's four years old. I've been at this for the entirety of those four years. Prior to that, um, just to kind of give you a sense of how I, how I got here, um, I really had two career runs, uh, you know, from, you know, my 20s up to this point now. One was at AT&T. Um, I spent a lot of time there managing large clients and, you know, a bit on the internal operations side as well. Um, and from there, I went to a cloud provider uh, called Navisite, uh, where I, I led their third-party sales organization, uh, really learned um, and developed, uh, you know, the the practice of distribution of services through technology partners um, and made a lot of great relationships in the technology industry, service providers and managed service providers uh, and large alliances like HP and EMC and IBM and Cisco helping them uh, write their, what was their service provider cloud programs at the time. So I really cut my teeth in third-party distribution and, and that role. Um, eventually we were acquired by Time Warner Cable and then Charter. Um, and, you know, as I think happens to some of us, uh, I had an itch to scratch on starting, uh, starting a business and, um, you know, met my, or my co-founder and I kind of came to a, uh, a business plan in and around that 2018 timeframe, which set the stage for what I'm at today. But so that's how I got here. Um. And it's been a great run. I love talking to people like you. I love, uh, you know, working in the space and working with great partners. So, um, so yeah, that's my background and uh, and how I got here. And I guess I'll hit the personal side too. So, um, three kids, two teenage daughters, and a ten-year-old uh, boy, and um, running around chasing them. Um, you know, doing whatever my wife tells me and. Uh, you know, trying to stay out of trouble is basically uh, the personal side of, of, of my world. Well, very good. Thank you uh, for all that. And I know, uh, you know, we've talked before about um, how we, we both have a passion for uh, information security and small businesses and, and in, in some ways, almost like a little bit of a calling in a way. And um, But information security, no matter what, uh, how you approach it from what angle, whether it be from uh, the practitioner side or the, um, or the service provider side or other sides, it, it, can be, it can be rather stressful as well as being rewarding. So I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your motivation as to why you're, you're so passionate about the information security in the small and mid-sized business space and with the security awareness in, in particular. Yeah, really great question. Um, I mean, I I love efficiency and innovation uh, and solving problems. And I think you'd agree that there's, there's a lot of that needed in the SMB space. 
Um, so it's super rewarding when, you know, when you can build something based off of problems that you see in the industry and you can watch that, uh, you know, the problem solving starting to happen and watch the improvement starting to happen. Um, so I, you know, my co-founder Antonio is, um, uh, an amazing mind from a, you know, automation and development perspective. And, you know, I've been really trained to listen, you know, to, uh, to understand problems that third-party managed service providers and virtual users are having and, and solving this massive issue with, uh, with SMBs and, uh, you know, and their struggle to stay compliant and keep, keep themselves secure. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of fun kind of waking up every day and, uh, and tackling those issues. And, um, you know, on the sort of on like the, uh, um, you know, the, the personal side of things um, in terms of, you know, beyond the business side, what do we try to accomplish when we, you know, get up and go to work every day? Um, I believe the SMB space is in real trouble um, when it comes to cybersecurity particularly. And it's too bad because there's so many great companies doing, attempting to do great things and they have to deal with this issue of cybersecurity. Um, I don't believe our government and our regulators are gonna move fast enough um, and with the right answers to actually prevent the launch pads of cybercrime from happening. So we seem to be seeing a lot of regulations and you know a lot of well-intentioned legislature that's gonna come down, but it's gonna push more work on, on these small businesses. And so who's gonna help them? You know, if you're a 10 million, $25 million company, you're trying to grow, you're trying to do a good thing and bring a great service or product into the world. Now you have to deal with a lot of administration and technology to keep yourself secure while you do that. You know, that to me is, uh, is a great challenge to sink your teeth into. And for people like you and for people like me, um, you know, keeps me going. And there's a, there's a lot there. You know, it's not going to be easy. Um, certainly little pieces of, uh, you know, of the solution that you can bring and improve on each day and, and each year. Um, but it's a massive problem. And um, so total, keeps me totally entertained, totally energized. And, um, you know, it's one that I want to be able to help solve. Well, I know uh, uh, you mentioned about regulations and standards and, and those sorts of things. And, and at some point in time, sometimes I feel like uh, it seems like that the only response that uh, government has to fixing this problem of information security vulnerabilities and, and issues is to issue another standard or another regulation. But what, what we find sometimes from the virtual CISO space is that the businesses understand now that they're beholden to something, but they don't really know what that means. And, yeah. and I think that part of that also comes down to... Um, uh, sometimes you talk about information security awareness on, on just from a threat level, but also from uh, just a what do you have to comply with? And more importantly, why do you have to comply with it? Like when they say yeah. like you must have two-factor authentication, for example, well, well, why is that? And, and yeah. so a lot of times I, I, at this point in time, I usually will ask something along the lines of what do you feel is the uh, a very major issue with uh, small and mid-sized businesses and information security. You, you kind of touched on that a little bit, but I, I want to dig a little bit more into the awareness side. Uh, that's been kind of a difficult uh, egg to crack in some ways with small and mid-sized businesses because you get to the point where you start layering all sorts of security training and other training on top of uh, 
but all the other stuff they, they want to do, they have to do. And all that they want to do with security training is just click through it and say, okay, I'm done and I'm, I'm good for yeah. the next year. You're really not accomplishing anything there. But how, how, how do you view that and, and how do you feel is a better approach to really making information security awareness more effective? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When we started the company, um, we, we knew we were a piece of the puzzle um, and we knew we weren't the entirety of the, you know, the, the problem that needed to be solved. And, um, you know, it's, look, it's cultural. Um, so the world's changed since, you know, people like you and I came into, you know, our professional careers and, you know, what we were taught in order to, you know, get there um, wasn't really cybersecurity or cyber safety. Um, and, you know, the, the truth now is um, you have to be aware of that just like uh, you would be, you know, um, you know, with physical safety situations, um, you know, not putting yourself in harm's way in, in a number of different ways. Like when you're, you know, brought up as a kid and your parents teach you things or trying to protect you, right? And how often does cyber safety come into the conversation, you know, and your parents say, son, I need to sit you down. I want to tell you about, you know, they're not talking about cyber safety. And you work your way through school um, and it's starting to creep in there now. Um, but, you know, for those of us that, you know, we didn't have that uh, educational track when we were younger, um, it's not natural. And I think a lot of the workforce is just not a natural thing. And so, um, you know, the, the challenge, number one, is, is cultural awareness um, and just kind of generally taking it from a checkbox and something I have to do because, you know, corporate's telling me to do it to, hey, this is really important stuff for my life. Um, and for companies to project that, hey, this is really important for the company. Um, and when, let's face it, when executives, um, when they state the importance of something, you know, at the company level and they, and they dig into it and it becomes part of the cultural fabric, it gets done. Um, that's why great companies become great because, you know, leadership has, has pushed down and um, pushed down is probably the wrong word, but they've made part of, part of the fabric of the company these things that are important. And cybersecurity and, and awareness and, and those types of things is not really there. Um, there's other cultural things that are like, you know, being good to each other, diversity, um, you know, recognition of things that are a part of the fabric of the culture. Like, you know, executive teams push that through organizations um, and enable organizations and bring in the type of people that fit that, um, you know, profile for them. Where's cybersecurity awareness in that? Um, you know, it's not really, it's not really a part of the equation. So one of the things that we look at is, um, is really taking that concept of people risk and education and making it super visible with data. Um, that's kind of where it starts, you know, it's just identifying the weak points isn't, isn't the entirety of the answer. You have to kind of educate and you have to build your culture. Um, and a lot of those things don't exist in software like we build, you know, it has to be beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, and people like you and others that consult with executive teams and, and bring that education in and bring that mindset in and maybe help, you know, turn the culture a little bit are super important. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a big problem. Um, it's not going to get solved overnight. And, um, the other side of this issue too, 
is so you have culture and awareness. We could train people to be, you know, all like make everybody cyber detectives and, and, and bring them up to a level 10 out of 10 in terms of their awareness. On the other side, we still have what's a complete turkey shoot for cyber criminals. I mean, it's relatively easy to be a cyber criminal, right? right? You have access to all the tools you need. You're not really stopped in any way from acquiring any of the, the weaponry of cyber attacks, right? Nothing really out there to stop people. You have a credit card, you have some financial means, you pretty much get at it, whatever you need. Um, so, you know, on that side of the battle, um, they're well stocked. On the defense side, we've got a you know, we've got companies and people that want to live life and be productive in a certain way with certain freedoms, and that opens up the doors. So we really have to, if we want to maintain that level of, you know, freedom and, uh, and productivity and things like that, uh, we really have to be hyper-educated and aware so that we can recognize things, um, so that we can keep ourselves and our, our companies, uh, you know, free from, uh, from threats and things like that. I think you touched upon something that is, is a lot of things were vitally important there. So I didn't want to li limit it just to one, but in particular, you, you were talking about culture and, and from the top down or from the executive level. And that's something that I hear a lot from other, um, not only virtual CISOs, but other practitioners in the, in the space. And it seems like that sometimes that um, those organizations that are having more information than cybersecurity issues, at least trying to get a program running, are doing so without as much executive management support. And conversely, what I've seen and what some of my colleagues have seen as well is that sometimes small businesses, their, their first sort of prompt into uh, building an information security program more from a compliance standpoint, and that's more often than not driven from a business requirement standpoint. So I, one example would be a, a smaller mid-sized business is being asked more and more by their clients and prospects to prove their information security posture via uh, typically like a SOC 2 audit. And so now you have the need to do an audit. And of course, we say in information security that uh, compliance doesn't equal security. But in some cases, that seems to be a launch point for building security programs and maybe even for turning around some culture. And I, I'm wondering if, if you've seen anything similar to that where uh, starting with external forces from a business standpoint, a business need has actually been able to uh, prompt the organization to build within then as a response an information security culture. Yeah, you know, the... The compliance requirements, they do trigger, um, ideally they trigger behavioral changes and, and not, um, you know, the, oh my gosh, I've, I've, I've gotten through the audit, great. Um, I'll see that thing again next year. You know what I mean? Um, it's like everything that, you know, happens on a once a year basis, like tax season or any of those things. Like if, you know, if you take this back to your individual life, you don't do anything to organize yourself throughout the year and then come tax season, you got to get everything together. It's painful. Yeah, I'm uh, there right now. <laughs> right. But if you're, if you're systematically um, operating in a way where, you know, as expenses come in, they're getting categorized and all mm -hmm. those other things. Mm -hmm. Well, then 
you know, the audit or the, the tax event, like those become just accumulation of things you've already been doing. It's um, still, and, it's still a, 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 an issue, a mountain to climb, if you will. But I, I totally understand what you're saying yeah. as long as you've been actually working towards it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why when it's a part, you know, when things like cybersecurity awareness or cyber safety are part of your culture um, and not an assignment, um, you know, it's it's something you're doing already anyways. It's kind of wired into product development. It's wired into process and, you know, and employee behavior and, and things like that. So, um, you know, the the audit and compliance, sometimes it it drives a company to make that behavioral change. Um, and if, you know, of the greatest companies are already there and so they get the compliance audit and it's like, oh, that was easy. We're doing all these things anyways. You know, most people aren't there. But uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, compliance is good in the sense that, you know, it creates a, a it creates standards which help give consistency across, uh, you know, industries and things like that. But it also creates, um, you know, almost a playbook of, of things you can flip around and say, hey, I need to embed these concepts into culture and into our deliverables. And that's where the training and awareness for companies like us comes into play. What are we training employees on? And we actually have supplemental trainings on compliance too. So, you know, just to, to tell the difference between, hey, I passed an audit to what do my employees need to do or spin it around in a you know, slightly negative way, what might they do that might screw up my compliance? You know, and educating the employees so that, like, you know, for instance, you know, CMMC created a huge buzz, um, and and there's all this, um, you know, management of controlled, unclassified in information that is pushed down to individuals. Right? They have to manage controlled, unclassified information in a certain way in order for an organization to, you know, uphold their CMMC compliance. So who's educating them on that? Right? It's that education won't dictate. The passing of the audit, but if they fail in execution and it's there's evidence of failure there, they might fail the audit. So there's a lot of um, you know compliance translates into um, you know good cultural improvements from a cyber safety perspective that that can happen, and they're driven by these regulations. So I in any industry where there's that passion to um, do what you do. And certainly this is the case here in information security. You have to step away from it every now and then. And so I think it's very important, particularly for security practitioners to not get sucked in 24 by seven, to have a more balanced uh, life existence and, and have different hobbies, different things that they, sometimes I use the word decompress. What's something that you do to sort of step away from uh, all the stress in information security? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, for me, it's usually like some kind of exercise or, you know, physical activity. Um, as you do, you get, you get a lot coming at you. Um, and I don't think this is limited to it. I think this is just work in general. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I'm, you know, if I'm properly executing my personal life, I'll get out for a run, you know, I'll, play basketball, I'll do something, go to the gym, um, you know, on a, maybe not every day, but a few times a week. Um, and that really, it helps me clear my head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's something about like the endorphins that kick off when, you know, you, you get a little sweat going and, um, you know, and, and, and that 
to me helps really clear my head too, especially if I've built up a lot of, um, you know, stress from, from a day. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I mentioned this fun, I, I enjoy what I do. Um, and so for that reason, like, you know, this is, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't mind the work and I actually enjoy the work, but, um, there's sort of that balance because I think a lot of IT work and a lot of the work we do is sedentary, right? Mm -hmm. We're sitting in front of computers. And so there's just a, for me, like a physical balance there, maybe more so than the mental balance. Like I think about this stuff all the time um, and I'm okay with it. You know, that's really okay with me. I don't need to jump into a book. I know some people like to do that just to mentally escape to other places. Um, you know, I'll do that a little bit with TV and, with sports and stuff like that. Um, and I mentioned the family, so they, they certainly, um, you know, provide a nice alternative way, place to direct my energy to. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, for me, working out is a great way to, um, you know, to, to just kind of like get your mind in a different place or physically give you a sense of accomplishment when you know, you've been sitting at a desk or in a car all day. Yeah, I can certainly relate with that, especially this time of year. Yesterday, uh, down here in, in Tennessee, in Franklin, uh, it was uh, about 77 in the afternoon. And instead of doing a gym nice. row workout, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go out and jog three or four miles, get some vitamin D, decompress yeah. from the day. It's like, it's, it's perfect. So I yeah, like I could do a whole nother podcast on on, on just uh, well, and Greg, working people, out. people can go for that run and listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's short enough if you're fast enough. So, um, well, I, listen, I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on uh, while, while we're here today? You know, um, I, 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 I'd love to see, uh, I love what you're doing, by the way. Um, and I think, I think the VCSO uh, model and the importance of it is tremendous. Um, I don't believe that will reach a space where we have enough uh, well-rounded executives that, you know, a true uh, CEO or chief marketing officer, other executive in an organization can actually wear the CISO hat effectively. I think the army of executive specialists uh, is, is necessary and we need to grow that because the SMB space is underserved. And quite frankly, the only way they can afford the expertise is to do it in a fractional basis. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you would probably agree with me that when, you know, when you do what you do, um, you know, for an SMB and, and you get, uh, you know, expertise across multiple clients, you can go in and implement with efficiency, um, you know, across, across these entities and bring value to them. And I'm, I'm a huge believer in the model. So, um, you know, I, as you know, I've, um, I have a project with, uh, Laura Dana Nikolai, who's my uh, uh, the CEO of our marketing organization, she's been a great partner of mine, and we've together we've uh, we've built uh, VCSO News, which is a digital um, magazine aimed at uh, promoting and really getting the word out on VCSOs and the goodness that they bring. Mm -hmm. um, so she and I and 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 others are huge advocates of of uh, the virtual CISO model, and not only for the benefit to um, uh, the organizations themselves, but as the president of a, uh, of a 
security awareness training software company, I know that VCSOs are incredible implementers of our platform, meaning, you know, without them or without someone that's really the sponsor and the owner of the platform, no matter how good we build software, it's not going to change culture. It's not going to work the way it should unless you have a proper implementation. And that's something that's driven by somebody. So, um, yeah, I figured I'd, uh, I'd, I'd give a plug for just the uh, importance of the VCSO as we move forward, particularly for the SMB space. So uh, website, uh, vcsonews.com? Is, is that yes, website, vcsonews.com. And then symbol? Uh, and symbol is symbolsecurity.com. Okay. So um, you can reach me through either of those channels. And you can also find me on LinkedIn um, at Craig, you know, Craig Sandman. Uh, you'll find me. Um, <laughs> so happy to take any questions or, uh, you know, help in any way. Um, and I love to network. So um, welcome any suggestions or any, uh, any invitations to connect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Craig, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And for everybody else, stay secure.